welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of the Thriving Advisors podcast. I'm your host, Ike Ikoku, and I have with me here, Rich LeBrun. Rich, welcome to our show today. Ike, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on here. So LeBrun Advisory Group, tell us at a high level what you guys do. Well, we work with executives, uh, primarily 45 to 65 people, and we consider transition. Either they're out of work and they're forced into transitional thinking, Hmm. Or they're currently working and they're trying to think about what their next move in life is going to be. And so we help them guide them through the idea of business ownership and leaving corporate America and finding a way to write their next chapter in life uh, and become uh, an entrepreneur. Fascinating. What do you see as you work with these budding uh, new, the next breed of entrepreneurs, I guess, coming out of corporate? What do you see as some of the biggest problems or challenges that they face that you guys help them solve? You know, I, I, what I find most fascinating in, uh, is I my deal with everybody from middle managers all the way to CEOs. Uh, in the corporate world, they're used to interviewing and selling people on themselves, right? They show up at an interview, they, they look their best, they tell everybody about their accomplishments, they convince that person on the other side of the table to hire them, and then they spend the next 10, 15 years convincing that person that they made the right decision. Mm-hmm. However, when you ask them to bet on themselves, it's really like, it's like a shocker for them going, I said, you're the same person. You get up on that same Monday, go to work. You look the same, got the same accomplishments. You're interviewing yourself. Aren't you going to hire yourself? So I find that very interesting that they get stuck there. Yeah. I got that deer in the headlights look, huh? Yeah. They're running major corporations and doing great things in the marketplace. And now we're saying, okay, good. Just take that skill, just move it over one and you become the CEO. And uh, uh, so they have to brush that skill off that it's then it's within them. They just don't see it. Yeah. And uh, we help them go through the process to identify it 
and see if it really makes sense for them. Yeah, it's kind of like public speaking, one of the scariest things for most people to do. But once you break the ice and step into it, it can be one of the most liberating things just to, you know, be able to share your thoughts and share ideas and, and impact and influence people at large scale. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Rich. What was going on in your world when you decided to start this company? Well, I was uh, an executive in transition. I'm, uh, I'm, cur I'm currently 68. Uh, when I was 60, I was, in, I was in commercial real estate for 30 years. That was my nice. career. Okay. We did uh, real estate transactions for you know billion-dollar companies and pension funds, insurance companies, et cetera. Well, I found myself in the market at 60. And, I, and so I had to go, what am I going to do next? And I had to reinvent myself. And Ike, ironically, there's only five options anyhow. You either ask yourself if you can retire, and then you may check that box off. You, you try to find another job in corporate America. And what people are finding as you get older, it's just getting harder. And the jobs are only lasting in like two, two and a half years on average. The last three have to do with business ownership. Either you start your own business, you buy a business that's not a franchise, you buy a franchise. So I actually went through the whole transition. Uh, I actually wrote a book about it called What's My Next Move? So I can capture the transitional process. Hmm. Um, and I ran across a consultant in the franchise industry. And I just it just matched what I was looking to do. I love talking to business. I love talking with executives. I love coaching people. Uh, I love you know, the flexibility of the business itself, uh, the model that works really well. We get to work from home. And it fit all the attributes. So. Uh, I decided to jump all in and, uh, and I had a bet on myself. I had to write that check to invest in myself. Uh, and I wish I would have done it 10 years earlier. That's brilliant. Now let's, let's kind of paint that journey. Cause I, I think you and I both know this all too well. It's one thing to be the CEO, CFO, CMO, whatever the executive level position might be in an organization and be crushing it in terms of managing people, hitting the PL numbers, the whole nine. But then when they say do that all on your own, it's like, um, you know, you get this weird look from people, right? So what fears bubbled up in you as you faced that transition yourself? Because you're like a product of your product in terms of what you're doing right now, right? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, the best advice I got was from a colleague mm -hmm. that he went through the same question you're asking. He says, Rich, you know, why did you put all your 30 years of skills in a drawer and, and feel like you have to start over? So he pull all those skill sets and he reminded me, I was dealing with major corporation, billion dollar companies, CEOs, executives, managing people, leading, leading teams, running PL statements. Because for some reason, when I switched over and got into this new product line, I, I put all that, all that experience away. Yeah. And then, so my fear was like, oh, I was kind of like, really, I'm a rookie. Yeah. But I'm really not a rookie. It's no different than you and I, if we, if we had a corporate job and we left selling one widget and we went to another company selling another widget. We just got to learn the techniques of that widget. Yeah. Um, so my fear was that gap, that period of time going, boy, I'm really in, in, in the lost area, new area. In, uh, and someone reminded me to, not to do that. And then, and then I ramped up pretty quick uh, once I understood 85% of what I did in corporate America is transferable to what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. I just had to learn the new products. That's awesome. That's awesome. What role has mentorship played, if any? with um, not only your time as an executive, but as you've transitioned now to being your own boss? Well, I think, you know, the old saying, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> you know, I think every person at the top, wherever that top looks like, uh, needs another person yeah. or, or group of people. So when I first got in this business, um, 
I didn't realize how much team mattered to me. In corporate America, I had a big team. Okay. Uh, so I started my own business. It's like, wow, I'm kind of doing this on my own. I'm the CEO. Uh, who's, who am I going to bounce ideas off for? Who's going to be my, my uh, sounding board? So I believe wholeheartedly in mentoring. I just didn't figure it out for myself. And so I had to get people around me uh, that I could share best practices with, because people could speak truth into my life and challenge me on some goals and objectives. Uh, I think it's critical. I think it's, it's, it's absolutely needed. Yeah. Let's talk about points of uh, differentiation, if you will, because I know just being on LinkedIn, being in the marketplace, you know, I, I get introduced to people who are franchise brokers, who are trying to play the role of matchmaker. And um, it, it's amazing how just the term matchmaker, the dating world has evolved. I mean, if you pay attention to TV and media, I mean, there's such a niche within that, whether it's people trying to, you know, matchmake for, you know, um, cowboys and cowgirls, <laughs> whether it's right. the matchmaker for millionaires. I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal, just the level of detail and niching that people are going down to. But again, it's, it's all in the name of differentiating. So when you think about what you're doing and quote unquote, the competition out there, right? I don't really believe in competition, but we got to have some sounding board to kind of mm -hmm. have a frame of reference. What's your differentiator? What's different about the way in which you approach this and helping an executive transition from 30 years of corporate, being the guy, but not really being the guy or the girl as the case may be, and then having to make that, you know, that leap to bet on themselves? Yeah, well, you know, my philosophy is I'm at, I'm at a stage in life that I, I feel like I could do this. I'm more comfortable in, uh, later in life here. Um, I tell my clients, I'm going to help you one way or the other. I'm either going to help you buy a business or I'm going to help you not buy a business. But either way, I'm going to help you figure this thing out. Uh, so I'm not really zeroed in. Of course, I make money if they buy a business. And of course, I am a matchmaker. Those are just obvious things. Sure. But when I get a chance to talk to an executive uh, about strategy, about building yeah. wealth, and say, you know, let's put your executive hat on. Let's talk about how you would approach this if it's a product or service, all the things to do diligence you would go through. Let's look at the return on investment compared to your other investments. Let's look at it as an entire process. This is a family decision, a spiritual decision, a business decision, a financial decision. Um, and then we'll see. First of all, you may, not, you, should, you may not even be able, you may not be the right person to own a business. I always say, if everybody owned a business, we'd have no employees, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I help them discover, should they even be an owner? And then if so, is the franchise model, there's, this is strictly a model. It's not for everybody. Should it be a model for them? And if so, then we get down to the brand and the matchmaking. But what I like to tell them, it's really a wealth building strategy. Uh, and if, if they would take an executive look at this, um, they they most people think of franchises, they kind of think, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna buy a food brand. That's usually what comes to their mind. They don't realize that individuals buy franchises, partnerships, families, corporations, Warren Buffett, Target owns a thousand pizza huts. I mean, this is strictly a business model and a wealth building strategy if should they wanna go on that journey. That's to me, my differentiator, okay? That I, I take it from a different perspective. It's just not matching them up. I love that. I love the idea of, Oftentimes in life, we think we know what we want. And oftentimes as we understand what that looks like, we finally realize, well, that's actually not what I want, right? Yes. So I think that's a huge, huge distinction. And like, are you really sure you want to be an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Uh, 
but the whole idea of looking at it from the lens of it being a wealth building strategy, target owning a thousand pizza huts, that's not something I was aware of. So that's that's phenomenal. From the solopreneur lens, talk to me a little bit about how you expand that dis- that discussion about it being a wealth building strategy for them. Well, you give an example. I said, you know, first of all, we're not financial advisors, but if I were to sit there and go, well, if, I, I use an example. I said, if you want to replace a $200,000 income, uh, you could have $2 million in stock getting a 10% yield. Okay. That's a passive investment. Then I ask them, do you have 2 million in stock? No. Okay. So the next thing you want to do in real estate, right? But you need about $2 million in real estate where it's leveraged or not to get 10% yield. And there's your 200,000. I said, you know, there's no direct correlation to owning a business. You can own a $2 million business and generate $100,000. You can own a $300,000 business and generate $200,000. It's a different mindset. It's a different investment. Now, we don't, we say, be diversified, go and make sure you're in stocks and real estate and all those other things. Mm -hmm. But most people don't realize that they should look at owning a business as an investment. Uh, They don't think about it that way. So a lot of times people get in trouble. They Michael Gerber wrote a book. He wrote a book called The E-Myth. He always tells a story about a person who likes to bake and they and she bought a bakery and then she ended up hating hating baking. <laughs> so, because you start off on the wrong foot. So yeah. You didn't ask yourself, what does she want the business to accomplish? So that's why I had to zero in on the sole entrepreneur piece and going, okay, let's talk about what do you want the business to accomplish you? And we cover all everywhere from geography to finance, the number of employees, the, you know, skilled labor, non-skilled labor, you know, we cover it all. So yeah. when they're done, we have a great, great approach to finding them the right business. That's awesome. Uh, whether through clients who choose to work with you or those that you may be aware of that are going down this journey, what's the one thing that you find people wasting a lot of time and money on as they contemplate this idea of what the next chapter of their life is going to look like? Well, time-wise, they don't take it serious. They don't realize it. I likened it to going on a job interview mm-hmm. and not being prepared. Okay. Well, you're not taking your job, your career serious. Okay. So good companies only want to hire good people. Right. Well, in the franchise world, it's a two-way street. It's an awarding process. The franchise companies don't have to sell you their brand. Okay. And this is a mindset that it's hard for me to get across to these people going, you know what? they may be interviewing 200 people a month, open 20 stores a year. And I said, if you're not showing up and being a good executive in, in the research side of things, uh, they're going to rule you out. And so I find people have gone, the, you know, our journey takes on average four months. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they kind of, you know, just kind of take it lackadaisical. And pretty soon the franchises call me up and said, Rich, we're ruling this person out because they don't seem like a good candidate for us. And then my clients are surprised. And yet I, I continuously coach them on that. So I have to change their mindset. I have to change their mindset. I said, look, you know, this, this journey doesn't cost you anything, but our services are free to our clients. We get paid by the franchise company, so it's a safe journey. Is, but if you can't respect the journey enough for yourself to do this right, well, you may not, may not buy, but you owe it to yourself and your family to do this right so sure. you can make a good, solid decision in the end. But if you don't respect that, they waste time. And, and they just... And I you know the hardest thing, Ike, is people who are out of work. They, I've talked to them. They go, you know, I, I've taken this forever to find a job. I've, I've gone through a lot of my savings, my retirement account. And now I want to jump on this journey. I go, yeah. well, I'll, I'll take you on it. But you, I wish I would have taken you on it nine months ago. <laughs> because <laughs> at least you would have been in a better spot to make the decision. Yeah, no, that's sound. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about the industry, the franchise industry as a whole. And you can look at it from both sides, both you know the franchisors as well as prospective franchisees. What bugs you the most about the industry where if you had, you know, like a pen where you could just, you know, write something new and completely shift the trajectory of that particular issue, you'd change it? What would that be in your case? Well, I, you know, I, I would say it's interesting. I don't know if it'd be a line item, but it'd be a philosophy. Okay. The, the franchises that are in it for making money, I mean, that's their goal. They want to build a franchise and they want to build it to a certain level and sell it to a private equity group. Uh, sometimes they'll scare me because these are individuals who are buying into their business, who are giving their whole life to it. The good franchises who really take care of their franchisees and really build into them, just like a corporation, a good corporation that builds into their employees and believes in that philosophy. Um, it's the same thing in the franchise world. So uh, there's a little bit of a movement, you know, of excitement for the private equity group because they're putting hundreds of millions of dollars in the franchise industry. Yep. Uh, that some of these franchises, I think, are taking the eye off the ball. Interesting. Let's talk a little bit about uh, you individually. What What do you, I mean, 68 years of age, God bless you, you, you you're doing some things right, brother, because I would not have pegged you at 68. Uh, but I know that there's a lot of wisdom that you've accumulated over the years. So let's start off with what do you, when you look back over your life, what do you consider to be one of your greatest achievements? Well, I mean, it's going to sound pretty cliche. I mean, I love my family. I've been with my wife for over 50 years. Mm, we get th right. three kids, five grandkids. So if I can claim, put my stake in the ground there, uh, that'd be great. My faith has carried me through, and that's another category. Mm -hmm. uh, Business-wise, I I really believe in leadership. I always have in, bu in building developing leaders, and I have uh, people in my life that I've actually helped raise and grow, and they become president of companies. And uh, and so I think that's probably my um, business-wise a stake I like putting in the ground. Cool. Let's look at the other side of the fence. What's the one insightful moment uh, the world would label that as? What's been one of your biggest failures? Or what's been one of the most insightful moments that you can uh, it just kind of sticks out there for you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can, you're going deep here, man. It's <laughs> the whole part of this podcast. Bro. We got to go deep with our guys. Yeah, just. That's okay. Just put me on the spot here. Uh, you know, it's. I'll, 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 I'm going to answer the question and maybe dance around a little bit. Uh, uh, Jim Collins wrote that book, Good to Great. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, one of the top attributes in a great leader is uh, humility. Yeah. Most people don't know that he wrote a follow-up book called When the Mighty Fall. Mm -hmm. And the one reason the mighty fall is is hubris, ego, arrogance. Yep. So there was a period of my time that I, my leadership got a little bit ahead of me. Yep. And, uh, and I would say that I lost focus on my humility and my uh, arrogance took over. And so uh, uh, the world has a way of putting you back in line. <laughs> Doesn't it, man? That's incredible. So you've cited a few uh, well-known authors. You've talked a lot about leadership and how it's been a cornerstone for you. If you were to have coffee with any great leader known uh, publicly or privately, who would you choose and why? Alive or dead? <laughs> yeah, alive or dead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is going to sound interesting. I, I love the book uh, about Abraham Lincoln on leadership. You know, most people don't realize how, what a great leader in a lot of different areas that he was. So if I could go back in history, and I could be a fly in the wall, I'd be probably someone I would listen to. 
And do you remember the title of that book? Um, I think it was Lincoln on Leadership. I think Lincoln it was on Leadership. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. It's a, it was a really great book. Speaking of wisdom, so let's take it back. Sixty-eight. We're gonna take you back fifty years. Go back to your eighteen-year-old self. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I don't know, I really want to go back there. It's your show, man. <laughs> I know, right? So, with the benefit of you know fifty years now of living life and learning a lot of things, if you could go back to your eighteen-year-old self, who probably felt like you could take on the world at that time, and render any piece of advice that you feel like would have been critical for the journey ahead for him, what would that advice be? Well, uh, you know, again, there's a lot of categories. I'll say business-wise, uh, and I think about this all the time, I would love to have been an entrepreneur at a younger age. Mm-hmm. I really feel that it's not every for everybody, but what it does, it gives you a confidence that helps you navigate pretty much, you, you know, the corporate America or, or, or the entrepreneur world. Um, most people don't realize 100 years ago, most people, 95% of the country was entrepreneurs, they're all farmers. Okay, 100 years later, they all start in industrial age, you all start working for people, but that robbed them a sense of their security. Hmm. Um, and so they're, they're fearful. And so at 18, if I could, you know, um, have some help me get into business and mentoring, yeah. um, I still, I may have ended up in corporate America, but I would always have that attribute that uh, um, it would take a lot of the fear of the unknown. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be one thing I like I would have done differently. I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, personal growth and development is a huge, huge part of just my ethos and just my philosophy around life. And I think being an entrepreneur forces you to have that front and center, whereas some of the other roles in corporate as an employee may not necessarily make that a priority, like going into business for yourself. So yeah, sound advice there. I know you've written a book. Uh, You mentioned it earlier. Would you share the book title again? It's called What's My Next Move? Okay. And for and, those uh, who'd love to get their hands on that, what's the best way for them? Well, I'd love to give it away. And if they want to reach out to me, they can go through your program or they can text me at 847-912-4310. They can go on my website, rlebrun.com. Just fill out a form. I'll send it to them. It's free. And uh, I'd love to get it in their hands. I think it'd be a good read for them to at least understand the journey. Awesome. And is it a, it's a hard copy or are you talking about? Uh, it, it's a, it can be a hard copy or it could be a, a electronic, either way. Fantastic. So I'm going to give you the final word. If there's uh, any question that you wish I would have asked, or if there's any thoughts you want to share, I'm going to let you kind of close out the show with an opportunity to do, do that now. Well, I guess the question would be the same question you're asking me because you're in the same space. Mm-hmm. You know, you're coaching people to get out of corporate America, at least if nothing else in a mindset, uh, what's, what's, what do you see as the biggest hurdle? I think we hit it on the head, right? It's, um, it's mindset. It's the idea of shifting from somebody who's kind of felt like the boss because of the executive title that they've had to somebody who has to actually own every facet of what it looks like to be the boss. And one of the biggest transitions in that mindset, especially as they become an entrepreneur, is to recognize that regardless of the widget that we're selling, right, franchise opportunities, coaching, whatever it is that we offer as a service or a product, that's not really the business that we're in. I tell people all the time that I coach, you're really in three different 
three distinct businesses. One, you're in the belief changing business because whatever product or service you're in, you're going to have to shift somebody's belief that your product and your service is absolutely the only choice for whatever problem that they have. Mm. Uh, two, I tell people you're in the relationship marketing or relationship management business because you can't do business without people. And so you've got to be an expert on relationships and how to master that and uh, you know make that uh, make that work for the long term. And then the third one is you are by by large an independent marketer of franchise purchasing opportunities, of coaching services, of whatever the widget of service is. And that in and of itself is an entirely different ballgame in terms of the requirements and uh, what you need to know to be successful with that. So all that you wrap around mindset because it's a complete shift in the way people think. Very good. Well put. Well put. Thanks for your wisdom. Yes, sir. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Rich. It's, it's been good to get to know you over this time. I think you've got a lot of a lot of years of wisdom. You're in a space that I love and uh, doing some incredible thing with helping people realize that the next chapter of their life could be one of the most exciting and uh, helping them come to, a, come to a decision that they can own and own well. So thanks for sharing yeah. some time with us today. Mike, thanks for having me on the show and for what you're doing. I believe wholeheartedly in it. Awesome. Until the next time we have another brilliant guest on our show, we want to wish you guys well. Have a brilliant day, and we'll talk with you soon. Take care. Thanks. Welcome to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Cochinaire Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right. Well, let's get into today's show.